Hey everyone, welcome back for episode 7 of Gospel Nate. I'm your host, Nate. I don't know about everyone else, but this has been an awesome chapter for me so far. In our last episode, we went over verses 19 through 21. We looked at being quick to hear. Turns out, the word to was the Greek word ice, spelt E-I-S. So we are to be quick into hearing. We saw that this didn't just apply to hearing other people, but quick into hearing from Jesus. This is important because it puts us in a position of being slow into speaking. Now we can speak wisely in a situation because we are hearing from Jesus about that situation. We talked about being slow into wrath and how wrath was anger with a judgment behind it. Which led us into looking at the difference between judging someone and calling out sin because you don't want someone to suffer the consequences of that sin. We also touched on the understanding that our judgment does not produce the righteousness of God. This is because our greatest righteousness, apart from God, is not enough to change anything and normally comes from a place of pride. We also looked at how the implanted word was able to go from our spirit into our soul. But to do this, you have to start casting aside old man ways of thinking and behaving. Today, we are going to be diving into verse 22 and beyond. As usual, I'm not sure how far we are going to go. It just depends on what the Lord gives me. With that said, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have once again given us your word, that you have given us an implanted word that allows us to change, not just in our spirit, Lord, but in our soul, that our ways of thinking, our ways of doing, and our ways of feeling do not have to be subject to what's going on around us and what people say it ought to be. Lord, we speak a blessing over this message because I need you so badly. Apart from you, this message just doesn't go anywhere. And I give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's pick up where we left off. James 1, verse 22, from the New King James Version. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I like the word doers. It's the Greek word poietes. It means a performer, or specifically, a poet. It is someone who does the work. They perform it. It's not just sitting around and listening, but acting it out. Act out the word, and do not be hearers only. This just leads to deceiving yourself into believing that you are doing well when you're really not doing anything. It's interesting to note that in ancient times, most poets would not just write their own work, but they would go out and read it. Occasionally, you would find poets who would write their works, and then performers would do the written word of the poetry, which is still interesting because it still takes that idea of poetry and performance and blends it together. Now, our next set of verses is James 1, verses 23 through 24. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. The word observing is pretty awesome. Cataneo. It means to observe fully or to perceive. It comes from two Greek words, 
kata, meaning down or throughout, and noyo, which means to exercise the mind by observation. A similar word that we've looked at in the past is katartizo, which means working down to the fine point, making it a complete work. The idea is pretty similar. The word kataneo means to observe and understand it to the fine point. You are not just glancing in a mirror, but rather studying your face, becoming intimately familiar with the lines, the creases, and the contours of your face. Verse 24, he observes himself, again, minutely studying his own face, then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Forgets is the Greek word epilanthonomai, to lose out of mind, by implication, forget. Again, it comes from two Greek words. The first one is epi, and that will always mean superimposed over something else. Lanthanomai is the second one. It implies that a thing has been hidden, or that one is unwittingly aware of what is happening. Imagine this. Since I don't have my PowerPoint at my disposal in a podcast, you will literally have to imagine this. You are sitting down in the morning with a cup of coffee, maybe a croissant, or some oatmeal. If you are like me, there is likely some bacon involved. But there you are in the morning with the Word of God. You are reading it intently. You have your favorite pen and highlighter beside you, always ready to mark your passages to point out something interesting or cool you found in the scriptures. You spend 20 minutes engaged in this activity, maybe more. You may even be the kind who dives into the Greek and Hebrew to get a better understanding of what the Lord is trying to say to the reader. After some time, you realize that daily life is calling you, and you need to get ready for work or soccer practice or finish packing for that trip you are going on. You put the cover back on your pen and your highlighter and slip them back into their holders inside your Bible carrier. You softly close the cover of your Bible and run the zipper around the carrier, closing it completely. You stand up from where you were sitting and gently stretch to wake up your muscles. As you stand there for a moment, the verses you just read and highlighted still dance across your mind. You give a silent thank you to Jesus for his goodness. Then, turning around to begin the day's activities, something astonishing happens. Your brain begins pulling information in and feeding you reminders of things that you have to do today. You begin to contemplate the steps you need to take for the day and how much time each activity will take. In a span of roughly 20 seconds, or less, you have completely forgotten what you read in the Bible. You haven't taken the time yet to understand how to apply it. You aren't entirely certain of how deep the passage or verse goes into your life. Now, maybe it comes back to your mind later what you read, but you were in the middle of something else already and you decide, I will come back to this once I accomplish this one task. But once again, the thoughts and the tasks of the day crowd out that thought, and you are back on track with the day-to-day -day activities. You have already forgotten what the Word wants you to do with your relationship with Jesus. There was no application of what you read. Sure, you read your Bible, and that's good. But if you found a commandment or something that you need to apply to your life, and you didn't do it, then you have become a hearer of the Word and not a doer. I cannot tell you how many times... I have done this myself. It is something that each of us needs to do every single day, and we need to work on it, and here's why. When you hear something that needs to be done, but you do not do it, 
it will not take much time before you forget what you were supposed to be doing. Look back at that Greek word again, epilanthanomai, superimposed forgetfulness, basically. When we do not apply something to our lives that we have heard, we quickly forget we were told to do it. How many times have you been given instructions to do something on the job, and if you don't do it right away, you forget, and it doesn't get done in a timely manner? Similar thing with the Word of God. He gave us instructions. We have not followed them. The instructions do not get accomplished. Then we stand back and wonder why we have problems. Well, did you do what you were commanded to do? Did you put off the old man and his old ways of thinking, feeling, and doing? Did you put on the mind of Christ? Did you forgive someone their trespasses? Are you holding on to judgment against someone else? Were you quick to hear and slow to speak? I've heard this passage taught a thousand times, mostly from the perspective of just not being mindful of what the scripture says, as if it were supposed to be something about you memorizing it. I've heard it taught from the perspective of constantly referencing the scriptures to see how you are doing, like checking a mirror to see if you have a booger hanging out that needs to be cleaned up, or checking if your hair needs to be straightened out. Both of these are good teachings. I would say both are perfectly valid. I would also say that James is talking about application here. You have studied the word in fine detail. You know what it is trying to say to you, but you do not apply it and soon forget what it said to apply. This is illustrated nicely in the next verse, James 1, 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. Looking into is pretty cool. It's the Greek phrase, perokupto ice. Perikupto comes from two Greek words, para, meaning to come alongside, and kupto, meaning to stoop down or bend your head forward. Ice means into and shows motion. We are coming alongside the perfect law of liberty and bending down to investigate it closely, moving into it. Then we continue in it. Continue is the Greek word, paramino, to remain alongside the word. This is, this is the cool part of this section. If you study it closely and remain near it, you are going to be in a position to apply it. If you are applying the word, you will not forget the word. If you do not forget the word because you are applying it, then you are always near the word. The next part of this verse is, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Forgetful is the Greek word epileismone, it is similar to epilanthanomai. The difference is that epilasmone is straight-up negligence. You didn't give it any thought or consideration. You just kept on going after you studied the word and didn't look back. The verse finishes out with, This one will be blessed in what he does. If you apply the scripture to your life and are not negligent in the application thereof, you will be blessed in what you do. If you put to death your members which are on this earth, lust, anger, jealousy, rivalries, fornication, lying, etc., then you will be blessed in what you do. It is almost as if God is trying to get a message through to us. As if he said to James, tell the people how to live a blessed life, just in case they haven't gotten the message yet. Now, moving on to James 1.26, 
If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. If anyone among you thinks himself to be religious would be a better way of reading this. This part is about self-esteem. The word for religion here is threskos. It is an adjective to describe something. In this case, it is describing a form of religious ceremony. If you believe yourself to be religious, or to be engaged in a religious ceremony, and does not bridle or hold back and keep his tongue in check. Basically, we're right back to being slow to speaking. Watch what you say, watch when you say it, and why you say it. It then goes on to say that you are deceiving your own heart, your very being of who you are, and all your religious observations and actions are vain and empty. They are worthless if you cannot control your tongue. Think about this for a moment. Way back in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. James goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 10, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Which was echoing the words of God back in Deuteronomy 30:19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. So how much is your religion or ceremonies worth if you are speaking death and cursing? God clearly puts it out there that we are in control of that. Therefore, we are in control of our tongue. We are responsible for what we say and when we say it. So when does religion work? What does it look like? James 1 verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I know this is going to go nuts when some people start listening to this. I have heard this verse taught several ways, and I only disagree with one of them. The one in particular is the idea that God has called us to separate from the world, in a physical sense. To live in as remote a location as you can, and only attend a church if you find a perfect one. Well, good luck. This is talking about visiting orphans and widows when they are under pressure, or thlipsis in the Greek. Pressure from life, pressure from spiritual issues, you name it. And while you're at it, do not engage in sin. That's the unspotted from the world part. Do not engage in the world system of doing things. We were brought into a new system when we accepted Jesus. We have a different way of thinking, acting, and talking. So far, in all six previous episodes, we have touched on the idea of spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is of primary concern. Have you been saved by Jesus? If yes, then we can move on to the next most important thing, getting your soul sanctified, your mind, your will, and your emotions, how you think, what you choose, and how you feel. Now that we are in Christ, we can do everything differently. We do not have to respond in anger. We do not have to respond selfishly. We do not have to give in to lusts. We do not have to speak cursing in death. All the living in solitude and separating from the world will gain you nothing if you are holding on to judgments against someone else and denying it. 
This is exactly what the world does. Finding the perfect church, which doesn't exist, won't do you any good if you go to it because you're not perfect. So your very presence just ruined it for everyone else. Jesus was in the world and engaged with people. He went to feasts with sinners, went to synagogues when they tried to throw him off of a cliff, went to synagogues where they constantly plotted to kill him. Synagogues were the closest things they had to churches at the time. The only time Jesus retreated from the world was to spend some time in deep prayer and fellowship with the Father. It was only for a couple of days. Think of it as Jesus' spiritual retreat. If you take yourself out of the world and what's going on, you are depriving the world of Jesus. There is a reason why the word Christian means little Christ. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We have the authority and power through Jesus to bridle our tongue. We have the responsibility to engage with the world and show people hope, show people kindness, show people by word and by example that Jesus is love and the only way to heaven. Which brings me to a side note. I've read this saying that says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. This does no one any real good. We can be a testament of Jesus by how we live our lives. But you can also just be a really nice person without Jesus and do the same exact things. The only thing that keeps people from being nice is selfishness, which doesn't have to be how you live. Therefore, on the outside, you can look very godly and righteous. But do you have the testimony of salvation through Jesus? Are you practically benefiting anyone if you are not pointing them to Jesus? You always need to use words. There will never be a time when just works and lifestyle will be enough. If we are not speaking the truth, we are not doing the full work. Remember the part where it said that one who remains in the word will be blessed in all their doings? To remain in the word, you must do the word. Now let's recap on what we've covered here. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but this time I am placing emphasis on the Greek phrasing. So if you are reading along, our wording will be a little bit different. You can, and I do encourage you to, check the Greek online to ensure that I am not leading you off into heresy. Bereans, people. Bereans. James 1, verses 22 through 27. But be performers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a performer... He is like a man studying in fine detail his natural face in a mirror. For he studies himself, goes away, and immediately through negligence forgets what kind of man he was. But he who comes alongside and studies closely the perfect law of liberty and comes alongside to remain in it and is not negligent and forgetful hearer, but a performer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." If anyone among you thinks he is ceremoniously righteous and does not hold back and keep in check his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this one's ceremonial practice is empty and worthless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their pressure, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world system way of doing things. Now, go out there and do the word. Don't just read it 
and check a box. Take what you have read and apply it to your life. Make use of what you have learned. Forgive those who need forgiveness. Find out from Jesus how to love others. Spend time in the presence of God and hear from him. Spend time in worship. You have been blessed with more than you know. Ask the Father to show you these blessings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your word. Lord, we thank you for this time that we've had together. And Lord, I speak a blessing over the hearers of this message that they would be blessed by your word, by the teaching. Lord, for everything that needs to be remembered, I pray that you would burn it into the heart of the hearer. And anything that does not need to be remembered would just pass away from remembrance and from their lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for today. You are blessed and you are loved. Go out there and live it.